Um, my mother once served on a committee that was seeking a new church secretary. And in the church at that time, there was a very attractive divorced woman who needed a job. And the committee felt very much compassion for her. Now, my mother was concerned that if they hired her, they would be putting strong temptation in the way of the pastor. And obviously, there would be strong temptation in the way of this woman. You know what the committee thought about that? They thought that was ridiculous. They thought, surely we can trust our pastor much more than that. So they hired her. And they took no precautions, and the pastor took no precautions. Can anybody here this morning imagine that you could complete this story? Do you think you could? An attraction developed. They became involved. The pastor divorced his wife, married the secretary, and they left the church. Now, my mother was not a wisdom of superior, a woman of superior wisdom. She was just a common, ordinary housewife, but she knew the power of sexual temptation. And she understood you do not downplay sexual temptation, you carefully avoid it. There was a woman by the name of Peggy Vaughn who was a marriage researcher and she wrote some very helpful books about marriage. This is what she said, there is probably nothing more devastating to a marriage than infidelity. Rather than just hoping and praying this never happens to your marriage, take charge to prevent it now. Is that not good advice? That is good advice. And so this morning, we're going to do that very thing. I want to bring a message entitled, How to Affair Proof Your Marriage. And I want you to take your Bibles this morning as we look at this message and turn with me to Genesis chapter 20, because we are going to look at an incident in the life of Abraham that teaches us this very lesson, how we can affair-proof our marriage, how we can take charge to prevent infidelity from ever devastating our marriage and our family. Let me begin this morning by reading verses 1 and 2, and we'll draw out the principles in this chapter as we move along, all right? Notice verse 1 and 2 of Genesis chapter 20. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now here's the very first lesson we learn. Adultery can happen quickly. Please mark this down. Adultery in your marriage can happen very, very quickly, much faster than any of us may ever realize. Now Abraham resurrected here an old lie that he had used 25 years before in Egypt to protect his own skin. Down in verses 10 to 13, we read that he said to his wife, Sarah, who was his half-sister, when we travel around in Cana, I want you to say that I am your brother. And that way, people will not be jealous of you and want to marry you and therefore kill me. So do me this favor. 
And we just have to ask ourselves, how could, after 25 years of walking with God, Abraham resurrect the same lie? How could that happen? Well, there's an old hymn that I think explains it. It says this, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. And all God's people said, amen. That is true of all of us. And we are all perfectly capable of sinning time and time again. Now, here's what Abraham probably thought. If a local Philistine wanted to marry Sarah, he would have time to react. Negotiations and dowry rights took time, and so he would be able to move away. You know what he didn't calculate? He didn't calculate that kings do not need to negotiate. They can just take And we read Abimelech, this local king, just took Sarah. Have you ever wondered what it was like in the tent that first night when Abraham was alone? Have you ever wondered what he might have been thinking? Was he thinking to himself, how could this happen so fast? How could this come about so suddenly? When my father was a retired senior, he went to a restaurant one day to meet a friend of his, and he arrived early. There was a woman in a booth there, and she said to my dad, would you like to join me? My dad said to her, well, I'm here to meet somebody else. And she said to him, well, if he doesn't show up, you can join me. Now, my dad was an old man. We would say he was past his prime. And yet temptation came that quick. Here's what Peggy Vaughn wrote. Women don't realize how it escalates. They're often blindsided. They aren't looking for an affair. They want to be wanted... And men like to be admired. And it can happen very fast. Don't ever kid yourself. Now, notice as we move along here, secondly, adultery exacts a great price. If this ever happens in your life, you're going to pay a great price. Look with me at verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister, and she herself said, he is my brother, in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me, therefore I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all 
who are yours. Did you notice that twice in verses 3 and 7, God said, adultery is a capital offense. That gets your attention when God says to you, you are a dead man if you do not return her. And we have to just stop here for a moment and ask this question. Why is it that Abimelech's potential adultery would get judged with death, but Abraham's lie would not? Have you ever thought about that? What's the answer? Well, some sins in the Old Testament were worthy of death. Some sins were not. All sins are wrong. But some sins have worse consequences. And adultery is one of those sins. Now in this section here, we learn why adultery is so serious that in the Old Testament it was worthy of death. And let's look at those reasons, all right? Number one, it can destroy a home. It can destroy a home. Marriages can and do survive adultery, and that is always preferable, but it does not always happen. When God said in verse 3 to Abimelech, she is a man's wife, it's a very interesting phrase in the original Hebrew language. It means she is owned by an owner. She is owned by an owner. And it is referring to the one flesh relationship, and you know that that means that a husband and wife are welded to each other. They have the rights of ownership over one another. The New Testament says a wife's body belongs to her husband, and the husband's body belongs to the wife, and to interfere with those rights is the same as thievery, robbery, and theft. Just as looting can destroy a house, stealing someone's partner can destroy a home. And that's why adultery is so serious. Notice another reason why it was worthy of death. It harms innocent people. It harms innocent people. Why did Abimelech include his whole people in his concern? He said in verse 4, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? And the answer is, he knew instinctively what verse 7 says, If you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. You know what Abimelech understood? He knew that what leaders do often causes those under them to experience harm and suffer as well. He knew that. I've seen loving families ripped apart because of adultery. In fact, some members of families that I have seen who were involved, I have never seen since because of what happened to their families. Sometimes parents who are hurt will turn the kids against the guilty one. And often the standard of living 
of a mother and her children goes dramatically down when a husband leaves the home for another woman. Children can lose a happy home and end up in a home filled with bitterness and resentment. I remember one time going to visit a, a home of a young girl in our youth group. And her parents had been involved in adultery and had deeply hurt each other. And the mistrust in that home was so thick, you could almost feel it. And that teenage daughter had to live in that home with that bitterness and mistrust. Innocent people always get harmed. And then I want you to notice another reason why adultery is so serious is it stains one's character. It stains one's character. When Abimelech says in verse 5, Lord, I did this in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, those two phrases reveal the totality of our character. It's our inner integrity and our guiltless actions. And our character is made up of our integrity and our actions. And so if our integrity is clear and our actions are clean, we have sterling character. And so listen to what Abimelech is saying to the Lord. He's saying, Lord, in this matter, I am totally innocent. My character, he is saying, is faultless in this matter. One of the sad things about adultery is God forgives, and we're grateful for that. But the stigma remains oftentimes as long as the damage remains. Don't ever forget that. That one of the sad things about adultery is God forgives, and we rejoice in that, but the stigma may remain as well as the damage that remains. One of my sister's pastors who had founded a church and it became a very successful church eventually left his wife and married the church secretary. Several years later he came to himself and they both came back to the church and publicly apologized in a service to the whole church. The church publicly forgave them. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing to see happen. It's very rare when something like that occurs. But you know what also was true? That pastor did not regain his ministry. And he was the founding pastor of that church. His former wife was there at that service and they apologized to her and she forgave them. But she still had to live alone with all the pain that that caused. You see, adultery is so very serious because oftentimes, even when we're forgiven, the stigma remains, as well as the damage. Well, now, the heart of this episode 
is found in verses 8 to 16. And the heart of the episode here is how adultery can be avoided. You see, we've learned so far that adultery can happen quickly. It will cause a great price. But as we look at verses 8 to 16, we discover adultery can be avoided. In these verses, what we are seeing is the actions of a man who is eager to clear his name. And it's interesting, the phrase integrity of heart occurs a second time in verse 6. As the Lord says to Abimelech, I know that you did this in integrity of heart. And this is here to show us how to avoid adultery. If you want to protect your marriage, and I assume all of us do, here it is right here, all right? Let's notice what we are to do. Number one, number one, take God's warning seriously. Take God's warning seriously. Look at verse 8. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. They were very much afraid. Do you know this is the key verse in the whole episode? This is the central verse of the whole episode and this is a warning that is designed to frighten us. That's the purpose of this warning. Now let me hasten to add, not that God wants to hammer us. Not at all. I am not afraid of what God will do to me. He loves me. And I am his child. I'm not afraid of what God will do to me. And all God's people said. I am afraid of what sin will do to me. If God lets me have my way. I am afraid. Of what sin will do to me. If God lets me have my way. Is there an amen in that this morning? There certainly is. And we have to take God's warning seriously. Second thing that we are to do to avoid adultery is consider the damage to others. Consider the damage to others. Look at verse 9. Then Abimelech called and said to Abraham, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you? That you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin. You have done to me things that ought not to be done. You see, Abimelech here is revealing the attitude of a good king. What have you done to us? My kingdom. Abimelech was concerned for his subjects' welfare. That is the mark of a good ruler. One of the chaplains that I had in my years in school was a wonderful man by the name of Bill Bryan. When he was a pastor, he said one day he was counseling a woman in his office, 
And when the counseling session was, so, was over, she was so grateful to him for the advice that he had given that spontaneously she threw her arms around him and gave him a great big bear hug that he was not expecting. Later that afternoon, he found himself thinking about that hug and dwelling on it. And he knew what he had to do. He knew he had to call his wife and tell her what happened. When he told her over the phone what had happened and where his thoughts had been going, she broke down bawling. Not because she distrusted her husband, but because she knew the threat to her marriage if adultery happened. Brothers and sisters, if you love your spouse, and you know what adultery can do to your marriage. You are deeply concerned about the damage that will happen if this occurs. And one of the ways that you avoid adultery is you have a deep sense of the damage that will happen. Notice the next thing here. Thirdly, if we want to avoid adultery, we call it what God calls it. We call it what God calls it. In verse 6, God calls it sinning against me. In verse 9, Abimelech calls it a great sin. Things that ought not to be done. Do you know what we call things determines how we think about them, right? What we call things, brothers and sisters, determines what we think about them. A famous TV game show host called his adultery Hanky Panky. That's what he called it. Bill Cosby, who is still in jail this very moment, called it a rendezvous. The man who was delivered from it called it a great sin. Things that ought not to be done. It is easy to have an affair it's harder to commit a great sin, right? It's very easy to have an affair. It is very hard to commit a great sin. Now, fourthly, in this passage, we learn that if you want to avoid adultery, take steps to protect your reputation. Take steps to protect your reputation. And I might add the reputation of others. Look at verse 14. 
Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. You know what these are? These are the actions of a man who's vindicating himself and vindicating Sarah. Rather than stealing from Abraham, he is giving to him. There is no intent, he is saying, to defraud you. And rather than sullying Sarah's reputation, he declared her innocence to all with public gifts. Do you know how much a thousand pieces of silver weighs? 25 pounds. Do you know how much that would be worth today? Five to seven thousand dollars today. This is a petty king. 25 pounds of silver. Here you go. And I want you to know, you don't put 25 pounds of silver into your pocket. You carry that load out for everyone to see. And it was his way of exonerating her and himself. Do you know what my father did after that woman made a pass at him in that restaurant? He came home and told my mother, And he told me, I was an adult when it happened. You know what I want to say today? Bless you, Dad. Bless you, Dad. One way that you know you have integrity in your marriage is you keep no secrets. None. Everything is open, honest. There's no hiding of anything. Brothers and sisters, there is great power in that kind of a marriage. You see, sin always thrives in the darkness. It always flourishes in the shadows. Sin grows in secrecy. I've shared with you many times before, Ellen and I have an agreement. If I ever look at porn, even as much as one time, I have to call her and tell her what I've done. Because for me to look at porn even one time is to break my wedding vows and she has the right to know. And I can stand before you this morning and say, that's one phone call I do not want to make. I don't want to break her heart. 
And when we are committed to exposing the wrong, it's a powerful incentive not to do it. When we are committed to exposing what we know is wrong, even if we are the ones that have done it, it is a powerful incentive not to do it. Now, I love the way this narrative ends. Because some of us here today would say, Pastor, it's too late for me. This has already happened. And what's the word of encouragement for me? And I love how this episode ends. It ends by telling us that adultery can be forgiven by God's grace. Adultery can be forgiven by God's grace. Look at verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God, And God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Do you know this is a picture of forgiveness? All the elements are here. There's confession, there's prayer, there's healing, there's restoration of the family. In fact, this whole episode is one of grace. Isn't God good this morning? Isn't God good? The same narrative that warns us strongly encourages us greatly. What a wonderful God. Peggy Vaughn, who I mentioned earlier, conducted a survey of 1,083 people in marriages where there was adultery, and this is what she discovered, a whopping 76% said they were still married and living with their spouses. What a wonderful thing to hear. Three-fourths of 1,083 people whose marriages had been devastated by adultery said, we're still married. And we're still living with our spouse. You know what I want to say this morning? With God, all things are possible, right? With God, all things are possible. He forgives. He heals. He restores. This episode has a happy ending. It has a happy ending. And the same God that did that for Abraham, Sarah, and Abimelech and his whole kingdom can do the same for you. What a wonderful, wonderful teaching from the Word of God. Let's bow together, shall we? And let's take a moment in the presence of the Lord to ask for His grace and His strength and mercy in our lives. If you are here today and your marriage is strong, 
and it has not been devastated by infidelity? Would you thank the Lord for that? And would you say, Lord, we live in an evil and sinful generation. And I'm as vulnerable as anyone else. And this morning, Lord, I'm going to take action on the teaching of your word. So that my marriage is safeguarded and protected. Lord, help me to do that. And if you are here today, and I'm sure there are people that are here today who have been impacted negatively by adultery, would you say, Lord, thank you that you are a God of forgiveness, healing, and restoration? And maybe you've already experienced that in your marriage. And you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then there are some today who have not experienced the restoration and the hurt and the pain and the other consequences are still there. And God says, I'll be a father to the fatherless. I'll be a husband to the widow. And he knows your pain. And he loves you. And he wants to minister to you. And would you say, Lord, I invite you into my life to be the healing, forgiving, Strengthening God that you have promised to be in this fallen world. Lord, we say today, hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. We thank you that your word is so clear, so helpful. Regardless of our situation, it ministers to our souls. And today we commit each person to you. All the marriages here at Bethel. And we ask that you will strengthen and fortify us for your glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Corinthians chapter 10, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. We'll sing that truth together this morning. Would you please stand and join us? <laughs> 